praying. Now, now I was praying there in the morning. I don't know how I got into that rabbit trail, but I'm back into the Word. So I was praying there. And this scripture just came, dawned upon me. And I want to read it to you. Maybe it's for somebody out there. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are His workmanship. Everybody say workmanship. Workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Everybody say good works. works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. And everybody say walk. Walk. So there's three words. Workmanship, good works, and we need to walk in them. We are His workmanship. He is working on you this morning. He's working on you in your life. Once the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you, He's working with you. Now you need to allow Him to work with you. We are His workmanship. Now, just turn over. This is not the sermon, but just just take these words in and underline it if, if you want to. We are going through during the week a study through Philippians. And this came back to me this morning as I was praying there. Because the thing is, you know, we've got these works for His good works to do, but if you do it in your own strength and in your own body, you're going to become tired and you're going to stop doing them. Isn't that what happens to you? Is it only me or is it there some people who relate to that? If you do it in your own strength, it will come to an end. So we need the power of God. We need the Holy Spirit of God. We need the energy of God. We need that energy. Now, the Bible is clear because God already spoken to men to write this down for us so that it's His Word. Look at Philippians chapter 2 and verse, verse 12. It says, Therefore, which is an application word, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, not in Paul's presence only, but without him. So you're not doing it for the crown. You don't do it for the cameras. You don't do it for the action. You don't do it so that people can praise you. But now you do it when he's not there. But now much more in my absence, much more, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What is he talking about? Work out your own salvation. He says, now that you are saved, This is not working for your salvation. It works out your own salvation after you are saved. What is the good works you are doing now? How are you growing? How are you you growing as a child of God? Or did you think God just saved you to come and sit here and look pretty? Hey, Wendy, that's not why He saved us, is it? Amen. Now, there's something that's happening here, and and, and we need to work out that salvation. And then he continues on in the verse 10. This is the verse 13, which which is the verse that came to me. He says, For it is God who works in you to do two things, both to will and to do for His good pleasure. The word therefore works. Remember when I said to you, we need God's energy to be a dynamo. This is what Acts chapter 1 verse 8 talks about. You shall be my witnesses. That word there is is, is dunamis. He says you will receive power. The dunamis power to become a dynamo. The words there in that verse 13 is the word energy. So what is God saying this morning to you? He says to you, you are His workmanship. He's working on you. Now what is He going to do? He's going to will in you to do His will. He's going to will in you to do His will. This is why so many people get frustrated. They stand with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And they get frustrated. Why? 
Because they can't, no, no, he's going to willing to you to step over into his work, into his side, like my brother said. But not only is he going to will in you to do that, he is going to give you the energy to do it. How wonderful is God, amen? Isn't that good? That's already, we can say amen and go eat now. That's already good. Yeah, it's good stuff there, amen? So this is it. So as we come to the Word this morning, I pray that the Lord will you to take on what He's going to talk to us today. So as we study through the letter of John to His beloved children, so many times in that letter He talks to the beloved. And I love it when, when John writes to them. You are right, my brother, the Gospel message is an offense to the world. It's an offense. You just walk into the world and proclaim the Gospel and see how they go on. It's an offense. And, and now he's studying through and John talks to these people, to the church, to the, to the fellowship. And, he, and, and we've gone through chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. And we've learned so many things. And now he's coming to a really important passage this morning. He says, test every spirit. And who believes that we need to do that in our day now? We need to test the spirits. And this is what we're going to talk about this morning. But I want to remind you where we ended last week. Because this is critical. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 24, John writes to them, he says, Now he who keeps his commandments abide in him. We need to abide in Christ. You cannot live without Christ. He is the source of everything you've got. We've got nothing without him. And he says, now how do we combine in him? If we keep His commandments, now it's not only the Ten Commandments, there's so many things in the Bible that we need to keep, but we keep it in Christ. I want to make that distinction. It doesn't become a, a gospel of works, it becomes a gospel of grace in Christ Jesus, but we still need to practice righteousness. It still takes something for you after the cross. Now that you are saved, it still takes something so that He can work in you to become into the image of His Son. And He says, abide in Him, and He in Him. And this is now where I want to pick this up. He says, and by this we know, by this we know, that He abides in us. How, John? By the Spirit. Is that capital or small letter? So what does it mean? It's the Holy Spirit. He says, by this we know that He abides in us. By the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. Who's glad for that? Amen. Can we say hallelujah to that? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'll tell you what, without the Holy Spirit we would have been lost. We would have been walking in our own strength and power. And it's not by might, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. So how do we know? We know through the Spirit. And I'm not going to re-preach that sermon. That was last week. How do we know? We know that the Holy Spirit produces in us love and faith. Isn't that right? He produces in us love. In fact, love is a commandment. We saw that a couple of weeks ago. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. Love is a commandment. Love is a decision. Oh, I've fallen out of love with that group. You can't fall out of love and fall into love. You decide not to go to that group anymore. You decide not to love that person anymore. But God commands us to love. And that love there is not just a worldly love. It is a sacrificial love. The Holy Spirit produced this love in us. Why? Because the root is righteousness. He is righteous. And what is the fruit of righteousness? 
Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, one of the first ones is love. So if you are in Christ, you practice righteousness, what is going to show? Love is going to show. What produces it? The Holy Spirit produces it in you. So you can now know by the love you've got for your brethren. And not only that, but also faith. You say, where is the proof this morning, preacher? Well, 1 John chapter 3, verse 23. We looked at it last week. He says, and this he, is His commandment that we should believe on the name of the Son of Jesus Christ. That's faith. Believe. And then He says, and... Say it again. Love. Say it again. Love. The reason why I want you to say it because the world is growing cold. And not only the world is growing cold, but I tell you there's many churches that's growing cold. If you've got too much law and no love, you're growing cold. If you've got too much love and no law, there's a problem. You need to have both. And, and here he says, you believe and you love one another as he has commanded us. And now I can understand with that background why John would write the next verse down. He would write down, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Why would he write that? Remember, uh, um, chapter divisions only came later. It's not as if uh, John was writing there and saying, Now I'm going to go over to chapter 4. He wrote it in one letter. So now I can understand, he said the Spirit will come and live inside of us. And, and by this we know is by that Spirit. But now we need to start testing the Spirits. What Spirit is in man? What Spirit are you operating in? Because there's one thing that I know for a fact today. And that is that you can fake the fruit, but you can't fake the root. And who knows that many people can fake love? Who knows that? Is it only me who's seen that in life? Yes. Has it happened to you when people fake love and they come with fake love to you only to be caught out later when they've already done all of their hurt in your life? Uh, am I saying right? Yeah. So, so love can be fake. And who knows that faith can be fake? You can fake faith. It doesn't go together but I'm trying to bring it out. So this is true. Many people come and say, I believe. And so many people say they believe, but they don't fear God. So those two things. Now he comes out and he says, do not believe in the Spirit. We need to do something with the Spirit. We need to test the Spirit. John is beginning to call, uh, he's beginning to call on spirits and then he applies it to prophets. Have you noticed in the verse? Because spirits is not something we see with our eyes generally, do we? But we see it manifest in bodies, do we? And this is why he goes on. He says, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are God. Because many false prophets, he's tying those spirits now to prophets. He's talking here about spirits which is operating in man. That's what he's talking about here. So we need to identify that. We need to learn about that. We, we shouldn't be naive to think that every single person who says, thus says the Lord, is from the Lord these days. You know, every single person who's got a little cross on a banner and they stand up and they dress well, we shouldn't just take them. We should listen to what they say. Because what's in the heart will come over the mouth and you will hear what they say. And this 
is what he's addressing here. Now, let's have a look at these spirits. You know, if we look in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, uh, Paul writes about this. He says, And you he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, and according to the prince of the power of the air. Who's that? Satan, yes. Now look at this now. The spirit. The spirit who now works. Where? In the sons of what? Disobedience. So now we're talking about spirits operating within people. Now, now I can go into a really theological, deep, doctrinal study of that. I'm, I'm going to spare you of that. But just, you know, there's the power of the air who works. The spirit of Satan now, you can say here. The spirit of disobedience now, who's working in the sons of disobedience. So there's only two kinds of sons that you get. You get the sons of God and you get the sons of disobedience. Those are them. Now what are you this morning? I want to remind you what, one, what John chapter 1 verse 12 says. It's a wonderful verse and if you haven't got it in a line in your Bible, please do so. John chapter 1 verse 12. He says, but as many as received him to them he gave the right to become the sons of God, to those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. You see, He's talking here about being born again, and it's born from above, not from below. The sons of God. Are you a son of God this morning? Have you received Him? Are you saved this morning? Are you calling upon that? It's either or. You see, and again, I come back to the point where some people want to be sons of disobedience and sons of God. You can't. You're either or. You're one of those. The most frustrating. Now, I don't know if I can call them Christians. The most frustrating churchgoers. Maybe that's a better name. The most frustrating churchgoers are those who are trying to be sons of disobedience and sons of God. That's where the frustration lies. You can't please two masters. You have to please one master. And here he comes now and he says these are the sons of God and sons of disobedience. Now these spirits now, as we understand, is operating in the sons of disobedience. And now, now we think about the prophets because he brings the spirit now to prophets. A prophet is one claiming to speak on behalf of God. He claims to speak on behalf of God. It's not to say that he speaks on behalf of God. We find in the Old Testament so many false prophets who believe that they speak on the, in the name of God. They are the ones who comes out and says, Thus says the Lord. Thus says this. And, and it is so fascinating. I mean, I'm dealing with, with a man in South Africa right now where uh, they've got a prophet. A prophet. A modern day prophet. I call it a false prophet, but... You know, that is for interpretation from them. Uh, he manifests, this man manifests the light. When he preaches, he preaches about the good life of the child of God. When he preaches, and I've listened to his sermons, because somebody asked me to look into it. He, he preaches about the progress that you need to have. You know, the pro, it sounds all biblical. It sounds about the life. He, he preaches about the good life now. It sounds like somebody we know, don't we? The good life now. You know, if this life is so good, why are we looking forward to another better life? I, I'm just throwing it in there. But this is what this man is doing. Not only that, 
Not only that, this man proclaims that he knows more than others. More than others. He proclaims about revelational knowledge which is beyond the Word of God. But he stands up and he says, Thus says the Lord. And he's got a big following. A big following. And he emphasizes righteousness, morality. He's against, you know, abortion. He says all the right things. But he is false. You need to test the spirits. In New Zealand, we had a, we had a man who came to our church once and uh, he was telling me about the church that they came from and he wanted me to start that. In the church where they came from, they, they had people standing up and prophesying. Thus says the Lord. And what they would do is they would write down these prophecies in a book. In a book. And then he said to me, and he was very sincere, man, God bless his heart, he's a very sincere man. He said, their book is, is so big, it's nearly as big as the Bible now, for all of the time. And, and he says that now when they gather together, they open up the book of prophecy. The book of prophecy. And we read out of the book of prophecy. And I say, wait a minute, where's the book of life? <laughs> where, where is, no, 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 we, we use the Bible now as a reference. To the prophecies. Now, now we shake your heads here this morning, but it's so easy to happen, brothers and sisters. Be careful of that person who calls you when you're on the side and he pulls you aside and he says, Oh, I've got a word of God just for you. Just for you. Watch out. Taste the spirits. Because there's many false prophets in the world these days. And we as a church need to be careful. I said it to you before. And I stand on it. I said, when people walk through these doors, I pray. I pray that next week, two weeks. I say, Lord, these people coming to our fellowship, bless. Thank you, Lord. You build your church. But I pray. I say, Lord, please show. Because this is your children. This is your sheep. And we need to be aware of wolves with sheep clothing coming into the flock. We need to be aware of that. And I don't shy away from that message. We need to be aware of that. You see, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13, Paul writes, he says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Wait a minute. They are transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no wonder, he says, I love it, with an exclamation mark. Let me say it right. No wonder, exclamation mark. Okay, for Satan himself transforms himself into the angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if ministers also transform themselves into the ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Now, I want to say to you, brothers and sisters, it's not my work to go after them. I haven't got a ministry set up anywhere on, on YouTube or anywhere where I take them apart because God will deal with them. All I do to come here is to teach His Word and to preach the Gospel. Let's do that. So He says, test every spirit. Now, I also would say that everything people do, there's reasons behind that. And we need to find this. So there's a few tests that He gives us. For now He's going to give us a test of con confession. You know, how do we test these spirits now, John? How do we look at people when they talk? And he, he becomes to this one, and he says in this too, by this you know the Spirit of God. How, John? Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Now, I just want to stop here for a minute about that word, confess, there. Because it's so easy for people just to say things, isn't it? 
Just say it. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to do it. But just say it. Who remembers Polycarp? Polycarp was a first century man, a man of God. He's 85 years old. And they said, you need to come into the city, Polycarp. You need to come and bow the knee and to say Caesar is God. That's what you need to do. They went to his farm with soldiers. They marched this man into the, the town. And I read there that they all the way, they said to him, Polycarp, you're such a lovely man. We don't want to kill you. We don't want to do this to you. All you need to do is just say it, but just don't believe it. You don't have to believe it. So they, they put him in the middle there. They put these stakes around him. They're going to burn him. And they say, what says thou? What do you say? And you know what he said? He didn't say Caesar is Lord and didn't mean it just to get away. He said, for 85 years my Lord sustained me and even now he will carry me. Two words to that effect. You see, brothers and sisters, it's not just by saying something. The word confess here means to agree and to say the same thing as another. That's what it means. I agree what you're saying. I declare what you're saying. This is the same word that we found in 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. He says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this word here, confess, is more than just words that come over your mouth. You need to agree. This is why when we talk about our sin, for the first time, I'm looking at my sin and I agree with God through His Holy Spirit that my sin is filthy and I need to be saved from it. That is what born again means. That means that in your mind, you change your mind about what you're doing. For the first time, you see it from the eyes of God and now I confess my sin, Lord, I agree. I've got no more pride in my heart. I'm not trying to hide it anymore. You know all. I agree with you that this particular sin I'm doing is so grateful. Lord, I ask you to please forgive me. And you see, confession, brothers and sisters, goes with a heartfelt conviction and a submission. So think about this now before you just say, there's people out there that can just say Jesus Christ has come in the flesh of God. This, by the way, is so difficult for a lot of people to say today. Not in the church. But now you can actually draw a clear line about all of these people who say this. He says, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in, in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You see, the confession that a man had about Jesus Christ is showing you what spirit is inside of him. That confession. And we can think about this now. There are so many people around. I mean, you just thought, think about the Gnostics of his day because John was absolutely addressing the Gnostics in that first century. The Gnostics came in and they said that Jesus Christ didn't come in the flesh. No, no, he was too pure and too holy to come in a sinful body. This is the same Gnostics even today who's sitting in churches who says, you can still go and do sin as long as you come on a Sunday and get the blessing. Because your spirit is pure. 
Your body can't sin. Hey, he says it there in John. He says you can't sin anymore. We've addressed that last week, didn't we? No, no, this is the Gnostics. And that Gnosticism spirit is still in a lot of churches. But here it goes now to the next point. He says it comes down to the confession. What do you believe about Jesus Christ? And what you confess about Him is going to show your spirit. And this is so clear for these people. You think about the Jehovah Witnesses this morning. I don't call them Jehovah Witnesses. I call them Russellites. Russellites. They come and knock on your door and you go, Oh, you're from Jehovah Witnesses. No, no, they don't deserve that name because they are not Jehovah Witnesses. Jehovah, my Lord, they not his witness. They, they come from Russell. Russell is their leader. They are Russell. They get really mad if you say that, by the way. Be kind to them. But preach the gospel. They come in and they, they say that. But you know what they believe? They believe that Jesus is the angel Michael. So, you do the test here this morning. Are they from God? No. They don't believe that Jesus Christ and they don't confess that He came in the flesh. But hold, hold that line there for the Mormons. You, you know those Mormons, those beautiful young people walking with their black and white and they've got their little badge. You know, that's a powerful badge, by the way. You know, they are just ordinary people. Once they put that badge on, man, now they are brothers. They're walking around and now all of a sudden they're walking and they'll come over to you. And I said to you when we were in Hawaii, it, it broke my heart to see all of these beautiful young, young children. If the gospel is not preached to them, they are on their way to an eternal hell. That is sad. But they believe that Jesus is the brother of Lucifer. These other men, these other people, they're walking in the world. And, and let's test it again to that. You know, you can test it to these things and immediately you can see that that is not. You see, confession here is an interesting word. Remember we said you need to agree. First of all, you confess Jesus. They need to confess Jesus as the Savior of the world. Jesus came from God to save man. That was why He came. So when you start confessing that Jesus came in the flesh, the first confession is that I am lost, I need a Savior. But the world don't want to say that. I work in the world. I work in the corporate world. And you know what they teach you? You need to be strong in yourself. You are good. And they build you up. But when we come to Christ, what does He say? He says, no, no, oh, there's nothing good in me. I need a Savior. That's the first confession you make. Secondly, you confess Jesus Christ. You see Christ there? It means you the Messiah, the anointed one of God that came. Christ is the promised Messiah of Scripture. The moment you confess, listen to me very clearly now, the moment you confess Jesus Christ came in the flesh, you are actually confessing that every single prophet in the Old Testament told the truth. Who believes that this morning? From cover to cover. By confessing He came in the flesh, you are actually saying that all the prophecies are true. This is why Islam don't want to confess. They, they don't confess Him as the Son of God. They confess Him as a prophet. No, no, no. He is the Son of God. He says that come in the flesh and the next confession is Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Is that what you believe this morning? Yes. So it's clear as daylight. I don't want to complicate it any further. In verse 4 it says, You are of God. Now we come to a test of ourselves. 
Look at this now. Little children and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Who knows that verse? We always love to use it, isn't it? When, we, when do we use it? When we use it when the boss is not happy with us. <laughs> oh, he's that in me is greater than he's that in the world. Is that the right place to use it? Well, if you want to build up your confidence, no, no, you know, no harm in that. But that's not in context. Because there's a whole spiritual world out there, which a lot of people don't know exists. But he says it there, he says there's two things here for us. You are of God. Praise the Lord. Amen. I gave you that scripture in John chapter 1 verse 12. He says, to them who received Him, to them He gave the power. The word there is power. It's dunamis. The power to be sons of God. We are of God. That's the first one. Um, in 1 John chapter 5 verse 13. Listen. John writes down. He says, these things I write. Uh, and I've witnessed to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that by knowing you have you can continue believing in the name of the Son of God. Do you, do you know that there's still people sitting in church who proclaim to be born again and they still don't know if they've got eternal life? Not in this church though because we went through one John, okay? I hope so. I hope, I hope you've listened. We'll, we'll do a test at the end of the, the letter of John. <laughs> we'll go to these verses. You know, you can know, but there's people who say, no, no, you don't know, because you don't know what you're going to do a week from now. And then God, ooh, it's gone. God, you know, takes the Holy Spirit from you. No, no, He says it. Jesus promised, He says it will be in you and with you. How long? Forever. So you know, we know you are children of God, little children. And the second thing is we've overcome them. We've overcome them, but there are still people sitting in churches who are jumping between doctrines. I said it last week. They're jumping between doctrines. This is how we were brought up. They, they, they hear this book, they hear this preacher, and then somebody tells them, have you heard about this preacher? Man, just checking up on YouTube. Boom, you're in. Now you're on YouTube and you're listening to this man. And then they say, no, no, not on YouTube. You need to jump to Facebook and go listen to this chat. Then you jump over there. And, and this guy says something a little bit different from that guy and totally different from that guy. So you were there in your doctrine and now all of a sudden you've changed and you're there. And my question is, how many times have you read through the Bible before you started listening to them? That's the test. That's the test. I said it to one of the brothers on Friday evening. If, if somebody comes to me and they start throwing scripture verses, me, I ask them, how many times have you read through the Bible? If they haven't read through the Bible cover to cover, don't talk to me about that. Where did you get your information from? I read this book from this fellow. You need to get, can I get you the book? Nothing wrong with good teaching in books. I'm not hitting it. You know, I, I say again, I refer back to New Zealand because I've, I've been there for a long time. I've had, I've had a hole in my library. I've had a whole section there of false teachers. And I didn't even pay a penny for any one of those books. They were all given to me. But here it is, you know, you have overcome them. You, you are strong in what you believe, what God is giving you from the Word. And that will overcome these spirits who are trying to come in and sway and take you away from the grace of God. And now he continues on in verse 5. In verse 5, if somebody can prepare my wife, it's the last verse. I promise, Glenn, it's the last verse. He says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 5, he says, 
They are of the world. And now there's another test here. My brother, you, you quoted the verse this morning. He says, they are of the world. Therefore they speak as of the world. And the world hear them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, I want you to think here, because a lot of people think if he says they are of the world, he's putting the world out there against the church. That's not what this verse do. Remember, he's talking to the church and he says there's many antichrists who's already come into the church and there's already false prophets who's in the church. What he is saying there, he doesn't say, you know, the world has got their own message and we've got their message, which is true. He says there are these, there are these prophets, these agents of, of Satan, of Lucifer, who he has sent to infiltrate the church. And now they're standing behind pulpits, they're sitting in church groups, they're sitting there and they speak, but their message is not the same as the message of the gospel. They've hidden it. You've got to be open and listen to that. They come with a world view. Let's look at the Bible through the world. No, no. I, I've got a biblical view of the world. I look at the world through the Bible. Now there's things that happens in the world that we as children of God need to be aware of. And we are. We are. I follow so many. I get so many emails. So many videos. Which is wonderful. I get them in and, and it, it exposes a lot of this. And, and we need to be awake. The Bible says be watchful and prayerful. Yeah? So I know everything that's going on with COVID. I know everything that's going on with the 15-minute cities. There's some people going, what? Yeah, you need to be awake about these things. Yeah? The 40-minute cities. It's happening. It's happening in Melbourne. They, they're closing down roads. You don't even know about this. They, they're pushing through legislation. You don't even know about this. But let that not consume you. Here we go now. We need to be consumed by the Word of God. Preach it, brother. Yes. Because the only thing, listen to me now, the only thing that's going to protect you against all of these different kinds of spirits, the, oh, listen to me clearly now, the only thing is the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit that makes that word remain in your life. Again, you know, we need to be aware of what's going on. Not to be sleepy. Jesus said we need to. But consume yourself with the Word of God. So that we can taste the spirits. We taste these followers. You know, I, I hear so many times we sit there and I, I hear somebody singing a gospel song. And the moment it starts playing, I turn to Leonie and I say, it's just noise. So I'm hearing it's just noise. But then you get somebody who, who is invested in the word. The spirit lives inside of them. And God takes that word and makes it alive inside of them. And they start singing a gospel song to God. And you know what it is? It is the anointing of God. You know what I'm talking about? You know? We need to test the spirits. And this is what uh, John warns them about. We went from saying that we know that the Spirit is inside of us. He produces love, a godly love and faith. And then he goes on, be careful, be careful of what you're listening. I always say to people, it's so easy for you to, to, to sign everything over to other people. But once it comes to your soul and to your children and to your family souls, be careful. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your word.
But Father, it's so many times, Lord, if I as, as a person sit here and say, Lord, what is so encouraging about this word? And the encouragement this morning, Father, is that your Holy Spirit is working in us, is guiding us, is protecting us, is keeping our minds and our ears open. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thank you for these wise words, Lord, that you gave, John, to write down your words in the Bible, what we call the, the Holy Scriptures today, so that we today, sitting in current downs, can learn from it. And we do want to learn, Father. I pray that you go with everybody here today. I pray, Lord, that you protect them in the next week. And, Father, let this message come back, come back to their minds. Let me contemplate and think about it. And, Father, even test those people that everyone is listening to. I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.